Hello and welcome to the unofficial, unsanctioned women's UCI cycling show. My name is Dan and uh, with me as always to guide us through the highs, lows and time trials of the Giro Rosa is my dear friend Sarah. Hello Sarah. Hello. 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 Buongiorno. 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 I don't, that's about as far as my Italian gets. Ciao. Okay, cool. Pizza, pasta, that's amore. Yeah, right. Okay, cool. So now that we've um, pissed off all the Italians and they've stopped listening, um, maybe we should uh, kick the the week off with a, a wrap up of the races that took place over the weekend. Yeah, you know what? It's been it was really weird. There's there may have been races in Belgium, Britain, America, and Australia, but. It's like that. It, it doesn't feel like it was a very busy week. I think maybe it was just one of those where you know the world took a, a collective deep breath, and uh, a lot of riders were in transition, obviously, to China for Chongming Island. And mm. um, I imagine that there are quite a few riders who are into some serious rest time following the classics, and so. Yeah, like there's a lot going on, but at the same time, I think maybe maybe it's just that the the really big names are, are sort of off doing other things, like sleeping in and yeah. resting and having hot chocolate in Girona and stuff like that. <laughs> hot chocolate that you can actually balance your spoon in. Which honestly doesn't actually sound that hot to me. That sounds like lukewarm chocolate at best. Oh, it's amazing. It's delicious. I wish I was having chocolates I could balance my spoon in. Mm. I, I'm you not disputing. In I'm not disputing the quality of its taste. I'm just saying it doesn't sound hot. That's all. Mm. Well, there was one UCI level race this this week, and that was on Saturday. It was Nokabrodena, which is a Belgian race, uh, Belgian 1.2 level race, and that is a sprint sprinty race. And it was won by Georgia Bronzini. She's really good form at the moment. Um, she is Yay, doing Bronzini. quite well, isn't she? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Although I don't, this sounds really awful, and I don't mean to say it in a bad way, but I can't think of a way to say it in a nice way. I think she. It's mm, how to say it. Well, there's no Mariana Voss, and there's no Ina Yoko Teutenberg, and there's no Kirsten Wield. So there are some of the biggest sprinting names out. So and yeah, and I would say that Georgia is, you know, the next the best sprinter out of those ones so yeah um yeah i'll just shut up now because right. i'm just digging a hole right so um in between the sounds of sarah shoveling her way deeper into the hole and talking around one or both of her feet you may have picked up on the fact that georgia bronzini won the sprint but um how'd the race unfold i it ended up in a bunch of sprints <laughs> so the break never really had a chance of getting away no. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay. I mean, it's it's one of the Lotto Cycling Cup. Um, you know, it's one of the Lotto, one of the Lotto Cycling Cup races. Um, yeah, this was the flat. This was the flat one. It's a lovely, lovely race. I mean, it is a really good, fun race. I don't want to. I don't want to knock. <laughs> I don't want to knock knocker. Oh God. <laughs> oh, I apologise that Sarah's launched straight into the puns. Usually, we can make it like four minutes into the show before we're. we're... <laughs> fucking everything up with puns i'm so sorry <laughs> I, it, yeah but this was 
I mean, this was the, this was basically the Lotto Cycling Cup has been having uh, one race every month up to now. And now there's going to be a great big break until August in Arondegem. And then in August, there's the Lotto Bellasol Belgium Tour. So, yeah. Cool. Uh, I mean, Lotto are a really interesting cycling company, uh, cycling sponsor. And they apparently they've also just started sponsoring the Dutch national team as well. I don't know if that's the same Lotto. Surely that's different, Lotto, because Lotto, Lotto, as we know them, is Belgian, yeah? Yeah, but it could be, you know, it could be one of those things where they run the Lotto across Belgium and Holland. I don't know. If you're a gambling sort from the Netherlands or Belgium and uh, and can answer this question for us, please do let Sarah know whether she needs to buy two lotto tickets. Oh, are you suggesting that I might go out this week, buy a lotto ticket and win my fortune in euros and then have to go and live in the Netherlands and or Belgium to, rec- to claim my money? Yes, that's exactly what I'm suggesting. Oh, I can't wait. So Georgia won it in a bunch sprint ahead of Yolian de Hoor and from Lotto and Martina Zwick. Uh, yeah, great, a really nice, good race. That was the Belgian, and that's all there's been in the Pro Peloton, like since we left you last week, and it was the end of the of the of the Elsie Jacobs tour. Mm. So, yeah, but as as Dan said, the uh, pro women have all hopped on aeroplanes. Well, the ones who are going have hopped on aeroplanes to go to the tour of Chongming Island. Which is a cunningly named Tour of the Chongming Island stage race and then the Tour of Chongming Island World Cup. So, Yeah, borrowing actually from uh, the pages of Elsie Jacobs by the sounds of it where they're just adding a, you know, air quotes, new one day race at the end of the stage race. <laughs> yeah, that is what happened because it started off as a three stage stage race. I mean, as we've said before about Chongming Island is a very, 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 very flat island in the Yangtze River that's connected to Shanghai by um, bridges and tunnels and things. And yeah, the Queen of the Mountains point is when they climb up onto the bridge. Uh, it, it's a very small island. The roads are na- uh, wide and long, and basically, it's I just fringy. find it. I just find it really weird that they ride to the top of the bridge. And then they actually have to um, abseil down from the middle, the midpoint of the bridge, carrying their bikes over their shoulders, sort of half cyclocross, half special forces style, and um, and then resume the race at the bottom. It seems kind of weird, but you know, it's an innovative way to enforce time breaks, I guess. Yeah, that's exactly what happens. Um, since it's sprinty, I would, rec- I would, I, I guess Georgia Bronzini is going to win it, maybe. I mean, Chloe, this is Chloe Hosking's great race because the first big race Chloe won ever was the Chongming Island World uh, Tour, stage tour. So, you know, she'll be a good person to watch out for. But yeah, um, I guess John Bronzini has to start out as the favourite for this one. So we'll see. That happens at the weekend. And yeah. Cool. And I mean, uh, past winners include Ina um, and Melissa Hoskins. So in recent years, the Aussies have done okay. Um, is how do you how do you say Ina's an Aussie? Are you just are you just claiming Ina as an Aussie just because you like her? Uh, I am now. I was actually just going on the fact that two of the three writers that we'd mentioned were Australian. That's really all I was doing. Two thirds, but you know, <laughs> you know, if you want to accuse me of claiming one of the most awesome uh, women in the pro peloton as Australian, then feel free because I'll happily do it. 
Ina, if you would like to become officially Australian, let me know. Okay. Happy to sort it out. I, I'm pretty sure that we can come to an arrangement for a woman who loves beer as much as we do. <laughs> Why would she leave Germany where they have good German beers to go to Australia where they have Australian beers? We have good German beers here too. We just have better weather than Germany. <laughs> and you did steal you aunts, didn't you? Steel claimed, you know, potato, potato, vice beer. Oh, and welcome to the segment of the show where Sarah proves that she can't pronounce simple names in English. <laughs> what I was looking at. So the second race of the week that we wanted to look at was the Battle on the Border. It's an Australian five stage for the men and four stages for the women. And I was asking Dan, what border is this on? And he's like, I don't know. <laughs> Which isn't entirely true. It's on the border between New South Wales and Queensland. Um, which, he, which he only knows because he looked it up. No, I, I actually... Was... I do know where it is. Um, <laughs> I needed a couple of place names to be sure. I'll admit that well, much. The, the first place names, and I'm really disappointed because only the men rode this stage, but the first stage was Point Danger to Mount Warning Volcano. Um, which, you know, a, a call us quaint, call us sexist, both of those things are actually pretty true when it comes to the Queensland border. <laughs> I'm guessing here that they just didn't feel right about sending the ladies for through danger to pass Mount Morning. <laughs> I love that name. I, I, so the Battle of the Border, it's a four-stage race for the women, um, mostly around... Mwilumba. Mwilumba. M-U-R-W-I-L-L-U-M-B-A-H. Like mer, like murder, we. Will, like William. Um, like, um, I can't pronounce this name because my name's Sarah. Bar, as in, bar, get the name right. Mawillamba. 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 Saying it wrong makes Dan's native Queensland heart fill with rage. I do not have a native Queensland heart. You take that back. (laughs) Take that back. You can take the boy out of Queensland, but you can't take the Queensland out of the boy. I wouldn't know. I never had any Queensland in me. (laughs) I don't care what she says. I mean... As with all of the Aussie races, the the National Series, they've got really good video. Again, I mean, we were raving about the um, Tasmanian tour video, and this has really good video too, so we'll put links... some links on our blog, prowomencycling.com, if Dan hasn't deleted it in a bit of rage. <laughs> I, may, I, may have, I may have revoked Sarah's edit, editor credentials. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how I'm feeling by the end of the podcast. Fucking the Willemba, all right? And it's in New South Wales, just to be clear. I'm surprised you didn't say mur, as in I'm going to murder you, Will, as in I will murder you. Um, I can't think of some way to tell you how angry I am with you and bah! (laughs) Well, if that helps you remember it. (laughs) And and of 
course, the Aussie women are not stopping because this week they go to a race that I really think Dan should have gone home to sit to watch because it's the Tour of Toowoomba. Uh, but that's not in Melbourne, so I couldn't have gone home to watch it, so... <laughs> so the Tour of Toowoomba is... Um... Toowoomba. It, it doesn't have an H on the end. There is no elongated A. It's a short A. Toowoomba. Not Dan Toowoomba. I... Toowoomba. Doing these podcasts for very nearly a year, and I have it's taken me this long to realize how to wind him up so much. It's brilliant. So, join us next week for our one year anniversary and final podcast. And <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, the race was won by Ruth Corset. Hurrah, Ruth! Well done. Which race, though? You, you'd skipped ahead to Toowoomba, and that hasn't happened yet. It hasn't been won by anyone. Yes, yeah, so now you're the rebinding. The border was won by Ruth Corset. So, yay, Ruth. Okay. Well done, Ruth. Okay, cool. <laughs> Is that it? You good? Holy fucking shitballs. Meanwhile, in America, where nobody was mangling names and accusing people of being from shitty states... <laughs> The tour of the Gila was underway. Uh, a five-stage race and um, lots of fun. Our friend Gabia was uh, covering the race. Uh, read her reports over on Vela News. Uh, the race was taken out by Mara Abbott of XG 2016. Um, in second place, Alison Powers from Now and Novartis for MS. And third, Janelle Holcomb from Optum, presented by Kelly Benefit Strategies. Uh, so yes, uh, and that's Sarah giggling because she's thinking of peanut butter. No, I was thinking of, of you say Optum presented by Kelly Benefit Strategies, which you did so much better than I did the other week. <laughs> uh, well, that was me thinking of peanut butter then. Because <laughs> uh, I don't know if you've seen, but Twitter's been lit up with um, Evie Stevens got sent a care package of stuff by the Justin's Peanut Butter Company. I can't believe I just gave them a free plug um, because you can't <laughs> get their shit here. Um, it included all sorts of amazing, like, you know, peanut butter chocolate cup things and almond butter with maple syrup in it. And it made me jealous. I love Evie, but I would steal her peanut butter in a second. Was she very, very happy? Seemed to be. Her teeth were stuck together, so hard to tell. But it's her new teeth. <laughs> her buttery teeth. <laughs> um, Evie has just had some new teeth uh, after having her old teeth knocked out hideously in the Classica Cita de Palova. Evie, I hope those new teeth are settling in fine for you. Mm. Exactly, and that you're up to eating solid food soon rather than just these nutty butters. <laughs> As opposed to buttery nuts, but that's a whole different thing. Uh, moving on. Uh, <laughs> and that's the, the point in the show where we normally start with the puns. <laughs> <laughs> oh, in England we had the Bedford day which was a, 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 a you know what i we almost don't so even nice need to, to talk see. about it because everyone in england went to the race thank you all very much i appreciate it we laid down the law last week made it very clear that if you reside in the uk or on the west coast of belgium or the netherlands you had no excuse not to go and so thank you all for going 
I really, really, really recommend that people have a look on the Bedford Three Day Twitter um, to follow the race and to see all the photos and stuff because they did the social media really, really well. Um, it was run by Stefan Wyman, Dan's band crush. So mm. you know, of course, of course, it was, of course, it was good. But yeah, it was a um, yeah, one by Claire Galloway of Breast Cancer Care Cycling Team. Well done, Claire. Um, and does that conclude? Is that our little trip around the world done? I think that is our little trip around the world done. I can't believe you're not going to Toowoomba for the, um, for the race. Where? where? That's not even a place. Whatever you said doesn't exist. <laughs> oh, I'm going to do this all day. Um, yeah, and the European, the, the Pro Peloton has gone to China for the Chongming Island. Um, yeah, I, there's just various people asking me, asking on Twitter where you find the information, and it's made more complicated because obviously it's in Chinese, and they have a website which uh, which has got uh, a descriptions of the race, but we haven't managed to find the race map and things, and we assist, and some people are going, oh, this is not very good, and then we realise it's better than some of the Euro races give us. <laughs> Flesh full on, I'm looking at you. Oh, to be fair, Flesh Wallon does have a good um, web, good, actually puts it yeah, look, up. Yeah, great for them, but, you know, at the same time, fuck them. They had a video camera at the end, and they managed to not show any of the end of the fucking race. So, I'm actually, sorry, those guys, they're in my bad books for a whole year. For a whole year. You know, you know what, I think the Chongming Island website will actually end up with more video about their World Cup than Flesh Wallon does. Well, you know, suck on that, Flesh Wallon, because, you know, you think you're all that. You're one of the biggest races of the year, one of the most important single-day races, and everyone's there and excited. you got fucking TV cameras everywhere, and then you fuck up something as simple as showing us who crossed the finish line. Well, you know, you deserve my ire for a year. Every time Sarah winds me up about some shitty part of Australia, I'm taking it out on you. (laughs) I'll murder your dilquee. But, do you need to pause? Have I really pissed you off that much? No, not at all. Let's keep going. You sound grumpy. You sound like I've actually managed to piss you off quite badly. I'm fine. I'm going to get you. <laughs> Nothing to worry I about. Just wish I found You're this out for. months ago. For. You're dead. I'm going to get you. So in big news, though, this week, obviously the the big announcement that we've been waiting for for a couple of weeks and been looking forward to, the uh, route announcement for the Giro Rosa. And uh, that's come out, and I've seen a couple of people express express disappointment that it's not eight straight mountaintop finishes. Um, (laughs) I've also seen at least three people amazed at how many descents the uh, the race (laughs) finishes on. Um, <laughs> well, all those all those stages where you start on a really severe descent. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, that does seem does seem. Uh, I, I believe one commentator was like, "This is like a perfect start for Mariana Voss to escape and put serious time into her rivals." Yeah, railing you know a descent. I was a little yeah. bit confused because the Giro Rossa, who you should um, 
the Giro Rossa is the new name for the Giro Donna. Um, I don't know why they changed the name, but basically a new a new company, the, the previous organisers, uh, didn't want to run the Giro Donna anymore. So it's been taken over by people who used to organise it a long time ago, and it's now the Giro Rossa. Giro Donna, Giro Rossa. And their website is at www.girorossa.it. And, yeah... <laughs> <laughs> turns out, was, turns out, this year they put the course profiles uh, right to left. Yeah, and, and uh, I, that did catch that did catch I, out one previewer that we know of. <laughs> I was tweeting about, oh my goodness, there are <laughs> these stages that finish that start with huge descents. I've never <laughs> seen that before. Which, you know, to be fair, that would give us a new kind of, like, stage racing. It would be a bit of spectacle. And if you're if you're planning a new eight-day stage race, I encourage you to try one day that starts with this wicked descent. Um, <laughs> what, but, uh, what, co descends, descends 1,100 metres over four, 14 kilometres? Exactly, exactly. And, <laughs> and then ride 200 kilometres on, on the flat for a sprint. That'll yeah, be awesome. The, uh, I mean, it wasn't just me. It wasn't just me. But the sage profiles, when you look at them, oh, they you, do read are, right are, to left. Are you going to name names? You're going to dub in the riders that you called out as well? <laughs> <laughs> I did have friendly people going, no, it wasn't just you. It was me too. <laughs> uh, so, you know, if if you um, make it through the... If, if you're one of the, the pro peloton and you're getting partway through one of the, the two climbing stages... Make it through the first climb. Look around to see who who is getting set for a descent, and then riding off to get, um, you know, some some lovely uh, ice cream from that store that Emma Pooley knows. Yeah. <laughs> just, just keep an eye out for the gelato seekers. Oh, so it's it's. I mean, it's only eight stages this year. They did reduce it from um, nine stages to eight stages, so it didn't clash with the Mediterranean Championships. Mm. Which, you know, as as a deep and long-term fan of the Mediterranean Championships, I'm actually quite grateful for. I have never heard of the Mediterranean Championships, to be honest, but Neither I'm sure I, they're but, very you know. important for riders who live around the Mediterranean. I mean, I assume that the Italians will just win everything in the Mediterranean Championships, but still. Anyway, so yeah, so we've got um, we've got eight stages. It starts off with one for the sprinters. Stage two is, a, has, is two laps of the same course, which is lumpy, um, but not too hard. Stage three is lumpy, but Monty on Podium Cafe says that it's a return to the vicious little climb to the finish in Cerro Alvoltorno that they lasted in 2009, which she's put a, uh, a video to on Podium Cafe. And that has a cobbled 17% climb at the finish. So, um, basically, if you felt that the Spring Classics didn't have enough cobbles, or if you think the men's Grand Tours this year are seriously lacking in cobbles, have we got the race for you? Oh, happy, happy, happy. Um, Stage four is sprinty, but there are a couple of climbs in the middle of it where breaks would be possible. Um, And then stage five and stage six are the climbers stage. And Mm. stage five is the climb at Bejua, uh, which is 1,100 metres over 14 kilometres. Ah, <laughs> uh, so nothing, you know, nothing too major at all then. 
yeah and stage six is another is another climb um is another climby finish which is 700 meters over 11 kilometers and yeah uh that's uh stage five ends in monte bejoa um stage six ends in san domenico and yeah i just want to go there so much <laughs> man yes. so so much yes then after the two climbs there's stage seven is a sprint day and then there's stage eight, which is a 16-kilometer ITT. Mm, the Cronometro Individuale. <sighs> yes. So, should be an awesome weekend day of racing. Uh, very much looking forward to, you know, um, closing my eyes and picturing all the action. Oh, you don't have to do that, because the Giro Donna has typically been... Um, they have generally an hour every day on Rye Sport 2. Now, some people say, every year, some people say they don't get why the Giro Rossa, the Giro Donna, is held at the same time as the Tour de France, because surely it would get more attention if it was held in other times. And I don't agree with this, because, you know, we have, you know, the the Tour of California, for example, it seems to get as much, get, get lots of attention, even though it's at the same time as the Giro. But really, what happens if you're in Italy, they basically tie it, in, tie it into the Tour de France, as in, yeah, those people are racing over in France, but look at this, watch this. And they, put the, they, they, they package up the, they have an hour every day on Rice Sport 2, which is amazing. And they put that, so if you're a cycling fan, you see that before, between the, men, the, the Tour highlights. So what you're saying is that I will be able to each day see the highlights of that day's stage. Awesome. Yes. yes, an hour every day. And also various short, various short uh, videos as well from each stage as well. So, yeah, it's... Uh, Excellent. Yeah. So it's, it's the race to, uh, to look forward to. It's the premier stage race of the season. And uh, it looks like it's going to be a really interesting course. You know, last year we, we suffered a little bit from a lack of seriously climby races. And so with, uh, with stages six and seven being ones for the climbers, and then, you know, the eighth stage being a time trial, you know, that's clearly, those are the, the definitive stages of the race where, where the overall will be decided. But we should get some really exciting, um, you know, battles on the climbs and, and some great racing. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully. I mean, this is, um, it, it's one of those things where you don't, um, you don't necessarily, the women, the women make these races exciting or they don't make it easy them exciting, you know, but, I mean, but they generally do. It's going to be a little bit hard because there's a lot of transfers. They've decided to have each stage in a different region of Italy, which um, does mean that you have a lot of different, a lot of, sure. a lot of transfers. Sure. They and start so... Right so if this were men's cycling, that would pretty much grind the race to a halt because they just can't cope. But um, yeah. we all know that the women are much tougher. So, yeah. you know, I still hold high hopes that um, that we'll, we'll be able to get some some fantastic racing out of the whole thing. I think whole it's thing. going to be amazing. It's so exciting and, you know, really, really glad that it's going ahead. And, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, really, really good news and happy, happy. Um, uh, I, I wish... Oh, God, Dan, imagine, oh, I'd love to go one day. One day I want to go there. It'll be fantastic. Excellent. And, uh, you know, while we're on the subject of things that are happy and awesome and wonderful and, generally speaking, make the world a better place, you, my dear friends and listeners, may recall 
the last couple of weeks where we have discussed in some fleeting detail Sarah's ability to name bits of a bike <laughs> or complete lack thereof uh, as the case may be look last week I put the call out and um, and asked if somebody could point their way to any kind of a jigsaw puzzle that we could use to teach Sarah which bit of a bike is which. And an enterprising listener uh, by the name of Jay's Mackey has been an absolute champion and, uh, and stepped up to the plate and created for Sarah a custom parts of a bike puzzle. It's fantastic. It's an online uh, playable puzzle, so we're going to include a link to it so that you can all play and test your time against Sarah. Surprisingly enough, Sarah's claim last week that while she couldn't tell you which bit of the bike is which, um, pro tip, Sarah, the handlebars are in the front. <laughs> the, the crazy thing is that she claims a great ability to do jigsaw puzzles, and that's proven because Sarah's first attempt at the puzzle, you completed it in... 3.55. Mm, and that was, still trying, that was also trying to work out how it worked. Yeah, still can't tell which side of the bike goes on the ground and which goes up, but she can finish a puzzle quickly. So we'll, we'll include a link to that. Feel free to test yourself against Sarah and find out whether you are really terrible at puzzles or much better at bikes. <laughs> Who knows? It could be either. It could be both. I love it. I'm really, really happy with it. It's so. It was so exciting. Thank you, Jays. Mm. I really was pleased. So yes, I now I was I was like ha, Dan, in your face. And my second time was faster than Dan's second time. So ha 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 ha. Yeah. Well, you know, whatever. I I'm still working out how to print this on a giant sticker and then put it on a huge piece of um of of particle board and and cut it into a real jigsaw that I can send you. <laughs> one piece at a time but something else got you excited this week didn't it daniel uh well excited and infuriated um you know which as as long-time listeners of the show will know that's my default way of being anyway so you know <laughs> um but no look it was pretty big news when it happened and and generally speaking you know you've got to give credit where it's due uh, Cycling News in in the last week released their inaugural sponsorship report on Pro Cycling of 2013 in conjunction with a company by the name of Repucom, with you know a really imaginative name like that. I'm assuming that they have something to do with reputations and communications. That's oh, just you a... said Repucon, as in something to do with reputations and conning people into giving them all their money. I, I said no such thing, and my lawyer will prove that in court if need be. <laughs> um, so, so you know, congratulations. Um, I did write to um, the the editor of uh, Cycling News, uh, managing editor, Mr. Daniel Benson, uh, who so far has not seen fit to reply to my email, which, you know, I can sort of understand because I'm a complete fucking nobody. But if you are Daniel Benson and are listening, or if you know Daniel Benson and are listening, or if you know Daniel Benson's mum... Oh, I can't be mean to Dan Benson. He's lovely. I'm sure he, he is, little... but, you know, answer your fucking emails. Because oh, he's probably... There is a bike race happening in Italy that he might be a bit taken up with at the moment, Dan. Fuck him. You I only asked two of... questions. Two questions. You should be kinder to her. You should be kinder one. to her. Question to one. Daniel. Question one. Why? I know what we're like. Why would I be... I, I'm not nice to myself. Why would I be nice to him? 
<laughs> Makes no sense. Question, oh, I, question I, I, one. I have to question say, one. I, I divorce myself from the, anything, any, any, any comment, any commentary on Mr. Daniel Benson is making, nothing to do with me. I am making no commentary whatsoever. I'm merely noting facts. I sent him one email with two <laughs> questions, which has yet gone unanswered. All I'm asking for is an answer to my questions. Question one was. Will Cycling News be commissioning a similar report to do with women's cycling? Because, as we all know, there are fundamental differences in the way that the sport is presented and managed. And I, so, I think we both know sponsorship, I think we do too, but I'd like him to admit it. <laughs> Question two was the get-out-of-jail-cheap card. I'll admit I'm enough of an asshole that I didn't give him a get-out-of-jail-free card, but a get-out-of-jail-cheap card, which was... Could he point me to any original research that was conducted that might be particularly relevant to women's cycling? So, Dan, I look forward, uh, by all accounts, i.e. Sarah's, you're a great bloke, so I look forward to hearing back from you um, and your answers to those questions. It's a really fucking interesting report, um, and I, I hope that some of you who may be interested in this stuff have actually taken some time to read it. It doesn't take very long. Um, I found that it, by and large, confirmed a lot of the things that I have, have thought and felt about the, the state of sponsorship in cycling uh, for a little while and has come up sort of somewhat thematically in my, my marketing and bullshit posts. Uh, but I did find that, you know, there's some, there's some genuinely interesting information in there and there is some stuff that, that can actually be related quite directly to women's cycling, which is good. There's a few things that... Um, sort of highlight the gaps. One of the biggest being the the significance, and this is not going to surprise anybody, that um, that TV broadcast rights play in funding um, the the largest organisations in relation to the sport, but also in providing the greatest return on investment to sponsors. And uh, so it does definitely highlight that the lack of broadcast coverage for women's cycling is is a serious issue that needs to be redressed um, by whatever means possible. Um, but there were a few takeaways and it's, it's kind of got me a little pumped up. And so because I'm not prone to hyperbole or going overboard or getting too enthusiastic <laughs> about anything at all, I'm, I'm working on a little bit of a, a document, um, that, that, you know, I, I hope will at best kickstart a bit of a conversation about what, what we're collectively going to do with this beautiful sport known as women's cycling. Uh, but some of the high points that I took from the, the report um, basically boil down to, to a, a simple statement sort of along these lines, that the data is clear and inescapable, that cycling is an amazing value but poorly managed product. And this is true of men's cycling as well as women's cycling. The, the return on value, the average return on value of investment found in men's cycling was $5.4 to every dollar invested. That's average. Uh, some teams achieved way more. Europe car was highlighted in particular, as was uh, Francaise de Jeu, um, because one of the other interesting things that came out of it is that, that large investment does not automatically guarantee huge return. Um, so sponsors of those teams or minor sponsors, um, Adidas, for example, were highlighted as making significant return on investment out of the stripes that they placed on the Sky jerseys. Um, you know, so there are, there are very much uh, tangible opportunities for, for smart brands and companies to really, really get a lot of value out of the sport. 
medium and long-term strategic planning is absolutely essential to the future of the sport, and this is probably the biggest challenge facing it now. And I, I certainly think this is the case in terms of uh, world tour management. Um, I personally believe that the World Tour management has to be divorced as soon as possible from the UCI. Administration of the sport, in my opinion, cannot continue to maintain a direct hand in the professional series of the sport and the management of that. Uh, the opportunity for even the appearance of corruption is too great. And I'm not suggesting that anyone has behaved corruptly, but that without clear separation, you, you cannot demonstrate true transparency. Um, and I personally think that a requirement of a revamped world tour management structure has to, um, as I said, include room for women's cycling as a partner series. It's abundantly clear that, that getting women's races on TV is the most important thing that we can do in terms of securing a, a lasting financial presence uh, in, in that side of the sport. Um, it, it just needs to be done. That said, the TV coverage has got to improve. I think we all know that. Anyone who's suffered through, you know, pick your poison. You know, the, there are more terrible commentators and terrible coverage than there's not. <laughs> um, so, you know, without naming Phil and Paul, I think we can all, <laughs> I think we can all agree that 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 TV coverage needs to be significantly improved. Interestingly, one of the things that the report highlighted is that at the moment there's a real disconnect between. Uh, commentary that's either below the level of, of engaged fans or beyond the level of casual viewers. Um, and there's no middle ground. Now, I think that's one of the areas that digital technology, with its ability to provide multiple audio streams um, or multiple feeds, it, it just seems it should be really simple to account for that. So that's really interesting. Um, one of the other things that I found really fascinating was that Cycling fans are demonstrably more engaged with sponsors than fans of other sports. So you could look at a sport like football or or golf or or whatever, and in those sports, uh, the average fan may be you know ten percent more likely to consider a sponsor's product over an equal quality and, and value product. Whereas in cycling, that'll be 30 to 50%, depending on whether it's a research or an actual transaction. So the engagement of cycling fans is actually much higher. And I would argue that if anybody did bother to do the research, we'd find that women's cycling fans are even, even more engaged because we know you people and you're fantastic and you're better than normal people. I said it. It's true because I said it. So there you go. I'm really excited about this report not just because of what's in it but because it actually points to a not distant future in which people are starting to get serious about this shit and from that hopefully we'll start to see some really constructive change come into the sport as a whole i maintain my belief that women's cycling is in a unique position to dramatically overhaul the structure and nature of its sport um more so than men's um if if the right model can be found and the right agreements with, with um, all of the stakeholders can be reached. One of the most mm -hmm. important being, I think, as I said, that the UCI has to be separated from managing and running professional competition. So, I do have a devil's advocate question about this sponsorship report. Yes. And my devil's advocate question to you, Dan, is 
this report talks a lot about the importance of TV. So the whole thing about Adidas having their stripes on the on the Sky kit and what that meant was completely predicated by them being on TV. Isn't there a risk that this report just says because women's cycling is is not on TV, it's not worth sponsoring it? It's possible that someone who was completely stupid would say that. So, you know, there's a chance you'll hear that from Pat McQuaid sometime in the not-too-distant future. (laughs) But anyone who actually bothers to fucking think about it will understand that, you know, we're talking about a much more complex relationship, and it's why things like user engagement and fan engagement are so important, and it's why I bang on about those particular things so much when I've talked marketing and bullshit. Because the, the truth is that fans of this sport have to work harder to get any information about it. So the emotional attachments that they form to writers and teams and, by extension, the sponsors of those writers and teams are much deeper and much more lasting. And I think you'd find, if you, if anyone actually bothered to do the research, that there would be really interesting flow-on effects because I think you'll find that these are people then who are much more likely to not only engage directly with those brands but to recommend them to friends and family, by extension. And to do all sorts of really bastardy things like buy every relative um, uh, a present from a sponsor <laughs> for their birthday and Christmas and shit I like was, that, you know. When, when Garmin, when Cervelo was, uh, was, was sponsoring this fellow test team, I was completely like, yeah, I'm going to have a, next, when, if I ever get a smartphone, it's going to be an HTC, HTC smartphone because of them sponsoring the team. If I ever get a high-end bike, it's going to be Cervelo. Uh, Interestingly, I will now never, 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 never buy a Garmin sat-nav because of, you know, the company dropping the sponsorship of the women's team. You know, that's so it kind of does cut both it does cut both ways. But I didn't know that we cycling fans were more likely to do that than fans of other sport. Well, that's the thing I found really interesting because you expect that in regards to more so than the general population, but I found it really interesting that we were more so than fans of other sports. Uh, so yeah, it's, you know, and, and I would suggest, and at the moment it's purely hypothesis on my part, but I would suggest, and I'd be very unsurprised if, if this turned out to be true, that women's cycling fans are, you know, yet again, more engaged because sponsors play such a vital role in our sport. Yeah. You know, I I mean, you, you're kind of proof of that, aren't you? Because like you bought the, the jerseys from, um, I bought jerseys from Volpine. I have from Volpine. I have yoga equipment from Lululemon. I have um, bikes from from Giant. I have yeah, like I I have a Garmin. <laughs> you know, it, it's it is a conscious choice to to where possible support. You know the supporters of the sport that I care about. One of the one of the really fascinating things from a purely, you know, businessy marketing kind of thing that the report highlighted that I I absolutely love because it's it's an argument that I've made several times over and I really do believe it is that cycling exists as a global sport. It's most comparable sports are things like Formula 1, golf and tennis where there are tours you know that that travel from location to location around the world to compete in events um but its sponsorship structures are still heavily regionalized and based around localized products so there are enormous opportunities for really smart global brands or even you know um 
continental style brands, you know, like large scale across many countries, vast swathes of people brands to to get huge return on investment with the right structures and the right teams. If I were, you know, and, and, and it's one of those really interesting things, you know, like like um, the Lotto Cup series or the, the World Cup series, you know, there are opportunities potentially for sponsorship rights to, to those events to be sold or, or extended so that, you know, suddenly you've got the Sony PlayStation 4 World Cup series or whatever it is, you know. Mm. Um, I mean, it's interesting, though, and it pretty much is already the Bowles Dolman's World Cup series because, I mean, Bowles has stepped up as a women's cycling sponsor but also was sponsoring uh, Flesh for Lon, etc. I think a lot of men, men's cycling uh, races and stuff have been jumping on Bowles because they've seen how much they're sponsoring the women's races, which is interesting. But yeah, I mean, mm. I mean, Rabobank was like that, wasn't it? I mean, yep. it was practically yep. the well, you know, yeah, and, the world and, championship sponsored by Rabo and and I have a I have a Rabo account. <laughs> it's you know, but but, but, but Dan the key does thing is this really really well. He doesn't just do these, you know, just doesn't just buy these things. He also emails them and tells them exactly oh, why yeah. he buys them. Yeah, no, no, there's no point. There's no seriously. There's no so point the if they Rabo don't know. Australia getting an email from Daniel going, "Thank you, I love you. I've got an account with you because you support women's cycling." Yeah, yeah. Well, because they don't know if they don't hear you, and trust me, they they read them. They pay attention. Yeah. You know, it, yeah, no, and no, and it yeah. counts. It does count. Um, so it, it's worthwhile doing that sort of thing. I mean, I get not everyone's willing to or has the time or whatever, but if you're so inclined, do it because it does help. But yeah. but the the key thing is that there are huge opportunities, and I think again in women's cycling, given the the vast disparity in money in in you know forget sports in general between men's and women's cycling right now, the the value to a global brand who wanted to come in, you know, like I, I name checked the Sony PlayStation Four because we know that they're going to launch that by the end of the year and they're going to sink a huge amount of money into advertising it. This we know. This is just a fact. I don't know their actual budget, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's well over $100 million, possibly into the hundreds of millions of dollars. Now, imagine for a moment how many professional women's teams you could fund for 10% of that. You could own women's cycling for years, on a fraction of the budget that will be put into launching one of these sorts of devices. It just takes one organisation with the right kind of vision and enough pull to be able to create the relevant social media around it, the the relevant broadcasting. And, and I, when I say broadcasting, I do actually mean that very, very broadly because... You know, we live in the era of internet video. It, you don't need a TV station anymore. You can you can stream shit live on YouTube. Every year, Coachella Music Festival in the US, Google put money into streaming it live. You can choose your stages and, and watch whatever bands you want. And more and more events are being done like this. There are plenty of opportunities and ways to show women's races. Do what Tour of the Mersey Valley demonstrated so beautifully last week and just put up the highlights of each stage in a timely fashion. We'll fucking watch and we'll pay attention to who these sponsors mm. are. Well, Red, Red Bull did this with um, mountain biking. Yep, exactly. I mean, Red Bull, Red Bull, when you see, you see the amazing races and, and it's just become ubiquitous where you watch a video of the 
downhill World Cup, for example, and you watch a video that's made by, I don't know, Dirt, uh, Empora, Dirt, Dirt magazine on, on their website, and they, they go out, they send videos out there, and you cannot escape Red Bull, because afterwards they're interviewing the riders, wearing their Red Bull caps, and, you know, the, there's Red Bull across the bottom of the, across everything, you know, mm. across the start ramp, uh, line across the finish line, and I just, you know, Red Bull, and then they do some really, really fun TV stuff on their website, and it's just They've just owned it. They they come to they come to my city in February. It's <laughs> some terrible time of year, <laughs> and they do the Red Red Bull Urban Hill Climb up Park Street, <laughs> which is um, a very steep street that's got lots of pubs and bars on it. And yeah, Red Bull racing up this ridiculous hill for fun. Yep. Look <laughs> by. Yep. Exactly, and this is the thing: there doesn't need to be a direct cycling tie-in for the right brand, the smart brand. Um, with the right product and the the right commitment, they can actually very cost effectively engage with a global audience um, who will who will respond in kind. Uh, yeah. So you know the reason I'm excited about the report is to me the the report represents uh, an exciting first step in genuinely building a new era of cycling. And uh, and so I really hope that Daniel Benson's mum does get in touch with him and tell him to answer his fucking email, uh, so that he can tell me that I'm being a prick on a podcast, and I can say, yeah, well, that's fine. Did you answer my questions? Oh, I mean, I think we can answer it. That no, they won't be putting out that kind of report for women's cycling. Well, shame on you, Daniel, because you should be. You're oh, disgracing. Oh, you're disgracing I, I Daniel's everywhere. You're disgracing any, um, Daniels any, everywhere. Any Dan, any Dan Benson baiting because he's a very nice man. Sarah said to me before the show that it was all your fault. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> I like this week. Uh, did you watch the Anna Mears documentary? Uh, I didn't. I actually missed the first like twenty-five minutes, half an hour or so of it. So, kind of no. Uh, we have um, similar to your BBC iView. We have ABC iView here, so I'm actually going to catch up with it later on. Um, yeah, if if yeah. you're in Australia, then do watch the Anna Mears documentary. Anna Mears, if you don't know her, is the the biggest women's sprinter, um, and she's just so funny and lovely. It, the, the biggest rivalry in women's sprint has been Anna Mears versus Vicky Pendleton um, for the past I don't know ten years, mm. and. Anna Mears is hilarious, and there's a transcript. I think it was, I can't remember who sent it to me. It was either Michael Collins or it's Jay's Mackey who sent me the link to it. Thank you. I apologize for getting which, for getting which one of you. But we'll put that a link to our website because it's brilliant. And it, just reading the, uh, reading the transcript, she's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> she's so funny and great. And she's talking about... She says, I don't say, I can't do it in Australian, but I don't say it lightly when I say I'm a very strong, powerful woman. Dealing with a bigger body, going out in front of complete strangers on a piece of lycra that's, you know, a millimetre thick. There's nowhere to hide anything. So I was very self-conscious about the body I was presenting for people to look at, to gawk at. But, you know, I've really embraced the fact that I'm a girl who's got a build body designed specifically for track sprint cycling. I've got a booty to die for. I've got big legs. <laughs> And then she starts. Um, but then she then she talks about uh, uh, Lance has a has a has a nice pop at Lance Armstrong, etc., etc. And I would love to see Anna Mears talk to Lance Armstrong in real life. <laughs> I'd love to see Lance Armstrong and Anna Mears have a kicking contest. 
<laughs> to be honest, I think if Lance Armstrong ever meets Anna Mears, Lance should just run. <laughs> <laughs> but she's got sprinter's legs. He won't get away. <laughs> oh, my God. It would be brilliant. Oh, Anna, I mean, yeah, you should definitely watch this. Oh, that Mears would be... Just... That would, oh, that, I've, just, I've just thought of the perfect way to set a new hour record. What we do is we take them to a track... And Lance gets a 30-second head start, and then Anna gets to chase him down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sure Anna would have an incentive to catch him. And, uh, yeah, it's, it, he, and she talks about how her, uh, although her, she's well-known for her rivalry with Vicky Pendleton, actually the rivalry with her sister, Kerry, was, was, you know, was, was very, very important. And, yeah, and it's... Yeah, I am a massive, massive, massive animist fan. I think she's amazing, and yeah, it's it's uh, it's interesting. It's interesting, mm. but yeah, it, um, it so is what... very interesting. But it's also uh, important to note that it's actually a two part. Uh, we we have a, a regular series in Australia called Australian Story, where they uh, interview and and um, review significant moments or stories in the lives of. Uh, important Australians and Anna's has actually been extended over two episodes so part two will be airing in Australia on Monday night um, so yeah do check out part one and when part two is available we'll make sure to uh, to uh, point you in the direction of that as well yeah I mean if you like if you're a fan of Vicky Pendleton as well I mean it says some really interesting things about it I mean she talks about how um the tension between Victoria and myself was at its highest. Our sports scientists and my good friend Scott Gardner was offered a position with the British cycling team. And with his departure from his team, I felt went a lot of my secrets. He knew me in and out. He'd done his PhD on me in particular. He knew my strengths and weaknesses. And all of a sudden, it was now in the hands of my biggest rival. And then Scott Gardner went on to have a relationship with Vicky Pendleton. <laughs> Oh no! Can't you imagine? Can you imagine the jo job interview where Scott's sitting there going, "Well, I do have a PhD in anamies," and they're like, <laughs> yeah. "Don't you? Don't you mean sports science?" And he's like, "Well, sort of, but it's more anamies and sports science." Oh my god! And it's like it's it's really and and she talks about breaking. I mean, one of the things that I always found very interesting about Vicky Pendleton versus Anna Mears was that you'd have a lot of interviews with Vicky Pendleton where she'd be talking about how oh back in two thousand and four Anna Mears used to bully me on the track. She used to push me around and was very physically dominant, and I felt she bullied me. And Mears would always come counter with <laughs> it was racing. But what Mears doesn't really talk about so much is breaking her back. Breaking her back, people. And that was, like, in the run-up to the 2008 Olympic Games. You know? Mm. Like, holy shit. Anyway, watch it. It's great. And Mears also has a book out. Amazing timing. It's just I incredible. It's, yeah, It's a strange coincidence. It's apparently available on iTunes. I'll put the link on there. But, yes. Um, uh, Victoria Penton, of course, has retired. Anna Mears hasn't. Dun-dun. Ah, oh, I love Anna Mears. She's so great. <laughs> She's so great. And Anna's, just... Anna's also a big fan of the show. Uh, listens all, all the time. <laughs> Hi, Anna. Thanks. I don't think Anna's ever even heard of the show, although she did once tweet me and I was very, very excited. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was after she won gold, wasn't it, at the Olympics? And she was tweeting everyone who... <laughs> I think she just stayed up all night just hitting reply. Thanks! <laughs> to be fair she had just one gold at the olympics yeah like she should have been drinking or something <sighs> um, 
the other thing I really enjoyed, um, which also got an Australian link, is cyclingtips.com.au is a really lovely uh, race blog, and they've got a series called Ask Cohen to Court. <laughs> and so we did. I mean, someone did. <laughs> no, I didn't ask that. You can ask Cohen any questions you like, but one of the questions was, um, Kirsten Veald has won nine stages for Argos Shimano this year. Does the men's team have much interaction with the women's team? And who would win a sprint, you or Kirsten? <laughs> <laughs> so Cohen's answer Cohen says that there's been quite a lot of interaction between the men's and women's team and he um, and he keeps an eye on the women's results and he does you can always see Cohen has always been like a really great rider for supporting women's cycling thank you Cohen but he's got this answer who would win a sprint between me and Kirsten I think that's an interesting question and I'm tempted to try it out if it was one against one from low speed I'm quite sure she'd give me a run for my money as she's very powerful her maximum power output is higher than mine so I'd have to win on top speed or aerodynamics in a short sprint from low speed I wouldn't put too much money on myself if it was at the end of the race I'd be pretty confident because endurance would play a big part but I can't deny I'd be a bit scared to lose if I had to sprint her for a victory <laughs> Uh, so, um, if, if you are listening and you're, um, you know, in the management of Argos Shimano, can you please just do us all a favor and get like a couple of GoPros and make this happen? Just, oh, uh, well, just, uh, like Kirsten's out at the moment. Kirsten's out with a shoulder. Oh yeah. Well, I'm assuming, I'm assuming we've got a couple of months lead time, you know, to coordinate schedules and stuff, you know, but, but by the end of the season, maybe at Worlds, maybe that's the perfect place to do it at Worlds in the lead up to Worlds, just a couple of days before let's, let's race the two of them. Come on. Oh, from a standing start. Mm, exactly. And then, oh. and then at the end of a you know a hundred k training ride, sprint to the the coffee shop or whatever. You know the thing is, I think that Kirsten Kirsten might she's very 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 tactically astute as well. <laughs> <laughs> I think cool. she might have him for breakfast. Well, you know, and and hopefully by then our new betting website will be up and ready to go. So. <laughs> <laughs> days mm. well you know it, it, it has actually been a bit of a full week really you know not just in the racing but with everything else going on what have we got to look forward to sarah well we've got the obviously chongming island coming up i mean it's a, it's a quiet month may um well <laughs> so the chair of chongming island world cup is on the 12th and then on the 17th of may there's supposed to be the tour of languedoc roussillon which <laughs> Oh no! CJ, CJ Farkerson said on her Twitter that there's been some really good signs that this race might actually happen this year. <laughs> that was this week that she said that. Oh no! I know. Oh no! I know. I, mean, I don't quite know how cycling teams manage things yeah, like this. I think yeah, if you booked uh, Carl... if you booked your non-refundable holiday, then um. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, Carl Lima was saying at the start of the year that, you know, the races that they were down to do included the Giro Donna and the, the, the South African Tour de Free State. It's just like, it's really hard to manage these yeah. things. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Wow. So, I mean, I guess, I guess it means that at the end of the month you have, like, a massive hole in your budget that you can use for things. But, yeah, um... <laughs> 
goodness me. And later later in the month on the eighteenth is the is the Gatineau in Canada, the the Canadian couple mm. of races which has been called GP GP uh, Gatineau road race and the chrono gatineau yeah, itt yeah. but yeah it's which, a really really which, really quiet month if you if you live anywhere in northeast america you should go because it's a beautiful part of the world great racing uh wonderful people uh do do please go support those races i know yeah. a great coffee shop in montreal if you need a recommendation and a couple of good pubs <laughs> and that coffee shop recommendation has actually been backed up by lex albrecht pro cyclists so mm, it's, it's true not just dan it's not just dan saying it. but yeah i mean after these really heavy months may and june are just really really quiet for women's cycling so yeah well mm. uh well i guess well, everyone's off training you know preparing their mountain legs um so. you know here's the thing that's weird right we have this really quiet month and then in july over the same week there's the races that overlap are the tour de britannia the tour de Grundfahrt, the european under 23 and junior championships and the tour feminine and limousin and they all happen at the same time and you're like really really if i were the uci you know the uci is approving these races why are they not working with race, race organisers to spread them out over the calendar? It's all a bit strange, but... Yes, and thank you. Start. Thank you for bringing me back to my point about needing to divorce the UCI from professional race organisation. <sighs> mm. So, on that. on that cheerful note, <laughs> don't forget, uh, sometime during the, the coming days, to uh, drop by and wish Sarah a happy birthday. I am forbidden from telling you which day her birthday is, but I can guarantee that it is sometime within the next seven days. Yes, and in a couple of weeks' time, drop by and wish Daniel a happy birthday. If you'd like to send him a birthday present of whiskey or bacon or anything like that, I can arrange that for you. I'm not going to second-guess that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Thank you for listening, and we'll be back next week to talk China and probably get very excited about other things too (laughs) maybe even swear a little bit good fucking bye (laughs) bye bye